Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. At Woodard, we pride ourselves on providing the very best cutting edge training for accountants, bookkeepers, and other small business advisors. This year at the upcoming Scaling New Heights conference in Orlando, that's June 4 through 7, 2017, we are excited to offer over 60% new courses. This year, we've broken the education up into five different tracks, describing the breeds or types of Yeti, which is our figurative way of saying the things you fear, the things you face as you're trying to climb to new heights in your practice. These types of Yetis or these types of challenges, or in the case of our conference, the tracks are becoming and remaining distinctive, building and leading a team, finding and acquiring the right clients, moving beyond bookkeeping and compliance into the role of advisor, and staying current with technology. Now today I'll be chatting with two of the instructors from the upcoming Scaling New Heights who are going to be talking on topics about finding and retaining clients. Now before I get started with today's episode, I wanna thank our podcast partners, Entryless, Automated Accounts Payable, Neat, Data Liberators from Paper to Usable Integrated General Ledger Information, and Smart Biz Loans a great source for securing a traditional SBA loan. I encourage you to learn more about these partners and how they can help you improve your firm and help your clients. You can do this at woodard.com podcast. Each of these partners has a special offer waiting for you on our site as a podcast listener. Now, the two instructors joining for today's podcast are Hector Garcia and Patricia Hendricks. Hector is the CEO of Quick Bookkeeping and Accounting, LLC. It's a full-service accounting firm that specializes in QuickBooks training and consulting. It's based out of Miami, Florida, but has a national practice. Hector's biggest passion is helping his clients' businesses become more effective and doing so through the proper use of the right kinds of technology, accounting systems that are integrated with other small business operating solutions. Patricia Hendricks is the founder and CEO of 10 Key Business Solutions. You may remember Patricia as the pro advisor we feature in Tech Makeover, available at woodard.com for on-demand viewing. With over 21 years of accounting experience and with a specialization in QuickBooks and solutions that integrate with QuickBooks, Patricia has built a top-shelf team of professionals, and she's done it having taken that journey from being a sole practitioner working out of her home. It's a tremendous success story, and she could not have gotten there, and Hector could not have built what he built unless they knew how to find and retain the right clients. Now, before I dig into the conversation with Hector and Patricia, I want to share a bit about why it is so important for me to have this track at Scaling New Heights this year. I want to ask you, what are the filters for the right client? Who am I? What are my standards? What are my non-negotiables? Who is the client? Can I add value to them? Do they see the value? Is there a cultural compatibility between their organization and mine? Will this relationship be long-term? Are we going to take a journey together? Do they view me as overhead 
are they, do they view me as a consultant who will advance their business and increase their wealth? These are the questions you should be asking to find not just clients, a lot of people can find clients, but to find the right clients who will pay the price point you have earned by providing transformation, by increasing their wealth. And the right kind of client will be moldable, will listen, they're teachable, they're coachable, and it'll allow you to accept a leadership role, not just with your own teams, but also with your clients. So let's get right into those conversations with Hector and Patricia. Hector, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Joe. Well, in this journey toward having the clients we want, having the firm we want, which is an extension of having the clients we want, we have to be marketers. And I know that's a tough pill for a lot of accountants to swallow, but we must swallow that pill. And at Scaling New Heights 2017, you're teaching a couple of classes on marketing, and you are pointing out in that class that accountants need a marketing strategy and they need marketing tactics. Um, can you distinguish a little bit between those two? Sure. I like to start by kind of stating the most obvious strategy slash tactic that accountants have done over the years, which is sit and wait for referrals. This is obviously something that works for someone that's been doing this for 20, 25 years and has a huge client base and does fairly decent work and they get what they call default work. However, in today's age, technology is moving really, really fast. Uh, new people that are not, uh, let's call it traditional accountants are entering into the field. More and more technology is taking over the tasks. There are uh, very important reasons that we need to uh, use uh, to differentiate ourselves and get our message out there and get people out there. So we need to have a concise marketing strategy and marketing tactics, and they're, they're different. Uh, for instance, your marketing strategy, it's about your brand, your message, and your positioning. So let me break those down real quick. So your brand is what you stand for, okay? What does yourself, if you're a sole practitioner, or your team stand for, okay? What do you do? What don't you do? Remember that if you stand for something, you have to stand against a whole lot, lot of other things. So your brand is what you stand for and what it represents. So when people hear you or your company, they need to hear this other persona, which is your brand, right? So that's a really important piece as part of your strategy. Now, you also got your message. Your message is what you're telling people, what words you're using, what, you know, how you're explaining what you do and how you do it, and even how you portray what your brand is, it is part of your message. And the third component of strategy is positioning. Positioning, um, it's basically two things. Positioning is when a client thinks of you or your firm, they, they, where, where or how they compare you against your competition. So that's a really important one, positioning. The other part of positioning is uh, where does you and your brand stand against the customer itself? Uh, because some firms will position themselves to be different than the competition, and that's a strategy 
to get to the customer, but some firms will position themselves to work alongside of their client, uh, which is a whole other way of thinking of positioning. Now, in the heart of positioning, there is a price. Price is a really important factor. Um, How you deliver the service, that's a really important one. And and obviously, uh, both of those tie into your brand and your message. So I think both your brand and your message will establish your positioning. And then once your positioning is clear, your customers will know whether or not you are the right fit. And that works the other way too, Hector, because it sounds to me like everything you're talking about with brand and messaging position and price are also filters on the other side for us. Um, What I'm hearing you say is marketing is its own filter for the right kind of client. Yeah, so the, the idea behind the strategy is not so much doing something that is going to take every client out there. Uh, the, the idea behind a sound, strong strategy where your message, your brand, and your positioning are working in complete harmony is to get the right client. Um, the right client is, is generally one that we don't know who they are yet. However, as we get a whole slew of leads, uh, we start looking at our different clients, our different leads start, start coming in, and we start choosing them for the right fit. The most important piece is fit. Okay, um, you know, I would love to have a thousand clients, twelve hundred clients. I don't. I can't. I can't manage them. I can't deal with so many of them. You know, I have both of my, you know, limited time that I can spend with my clients plus my emotional energy. So I have to pick the clients that will both uh, respect my time and also will take just the amount, the right amount of emotional energy that I can service them all um, as accurate and as fruitfully for both, uh, for the client and myself as possible. So it is about fit. Strategy, in my opinion, is mostly about fit. So you're teaching about strategy, which you detailed for us very well, and tactics. Can you give us an example of a marketing tactic? Yes. So there's there's hundreds and probably thousands of marketing tactics out there. Uh, in the course that I will teach, uh, it's all about content marketing. So it's a, it's a specific uh, part of marketing. I mean, there's all sorts of marketing tactics out there, but we're going to talk about content. Now, content, it's about um, creating in uh, creating an authority. So making your firm or yourself an authority in a specific subject matter. Now, you can do uh, content in many ways. You can you could be in social media and you can be just sharing topics that you um, that you really feel strongly about. You can share articles that you didn't write that are very relevant to your message and to the type of clients that you want to get. But but that's really not such a strong tactic um, because you're just sharing other people's uh, content. The strongest tactic is to be an authority in self-created content. So one of the main tactics is to create a website uh, on based on WordPress. You can use other blog type of websites, but WordPress is the one that Google um, sees the, the most sort of friendly for uh, search engine optimization. So what you want to do is you want to make sure your website has a blog. And the, the, the blog itself is not the tactic, it's how you use it. So one of the most important tactics or sub-tactics under having your blog is one, to update it often. Now, by often, I mean at least once a week, in some cases, uh, twice a week. Okay, so you want 
people that are following you or following your blog or subscribing to your blog to have that expected uh, new article, new content every so often. So you want to update it often. The second piece is you want to have a consistent tone. Remember that in today's age, people are outsourcing content creation left and right. So the problem is that when your competitors outsource content creation, sometimes they don't pay attention to the tone. And it's very, very obvious that it's not the same person writing the same article. So you want to make sure that when people uh, read what you're saying, that they feel identified with your style. You know, one great example is Charlie Russell from uh, from Accountix blog and uh, and Murph from uh, the Intuit Accountant blog. They have their own stamp, their own brand on how they speak and how they talk. And when people read something from someone and they expect that tone to be a particular way, you create fans, you create followers. And that definitely is a, is a strong indication that your, that your tactics are consistent with your strategy. And the last piece of the WordPress blog is to always end with a call to action or end with the next steps, quote unquote. So if you're gonna write an article and this article is just not enough to explain the whole message, make sure you put, you know, make sure that you check out part two next week or part three next week. You know, make sure that you keep people reading, keep people wanting more, or give them a next step if the next step is to, you know, call me, let's set up a consultation, that sort of thing. So that's a really important uh, last step there. And, and Hector, so what you're saying is on this blog tactic, I know some people don't start blogs because they're thinking, okay, well, there's already so much information out there. There's nowhere, no way I'm going to build an audience of thousands of people or tens of thousands of people like Insightful Accountant enjoys. Uh, but, but I'm hearing you say the point is not a megaphone the point is to be discoverable and if there's content rich material on your website then you're discoverable did i hear you correctly yeah but the other thing is it, it we, we don't we try to want to stay away from general topics so you don't want to write about how to save money on your taxes period i mean that's way too broad um if you go really really narrow like Uber drivers in Northeast uh, of the United States with their unique circumstances, their unique situations having to do with, you know, their geographic area, their industry, what they do and how they do it. So if you actually go micro, micro, micro on the topic, yeah, it is possible you won't have thousands of viewers, but I don't care about thousands of viewers. I, it, really, honestly, my blog is out there to pick up three to four new clients a month. Um, you know, all I need is, 10 engaged readers to say, you know what, this is definitely the accountant I want to go with. And the more narrow you are on the content, the more specific the client is who finds you. You know that their need and your expertise and your practices focus are going to be aligned. So I love that. I love that sort of go narrow to get the clients you want and to be discoverable around your specialization. So you've got one more class you're teaching that kind of fits into all of this. You're saying it's not just a written blog, but videos can help you grow your practice. Tell us about that. Yeah, so video, it's, it's, it's a broad part of the strategy um, that, is, that should be used, in my opinion, with a combination of your blog and your social media. So for example, if you create a video that says, you know, how to deduct meals and entertainment, just to just have something broad like that. 
um, you don't not just want to have the video in YouTube. YouTube's actually a great place to put videos, and there's other places, but I, I focus on YouTube. Not just want to have the video on YouTube, but you want to then transcribe that video or make it into a short article and embed that video into your blog, and then use your social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and then create a link from your social media channel into your website that has the article, that has the video embedded. So, so you got you want to integrate everything all in one. And then on the other side of the coin, it's on the video itself in YouTube. You want to also put in your description that there's an article that explains it more in detail. So you always want people to hit you up in two ways. Either find you in social media and find and go to your website there or find you in YouTube and go to your website there. And if they go straight to your website, have your video embedded inside the same article. So it's 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 combining all of the all of the tactics, I would say, um, together, which has the most impact. And your and your class at scaling new heights, which by the way, I agree with you completely. YouTube is also heavily searched, you know, um, right on the website. You know, plus the fact that it adds so much content-rich material to your blog, um, and you're going to cover in that course how to actually do the things that you're talking about. Right? You're going to walk through the steps, and I know that a lot of folks listening may say, "Well, I see these videos, these training videos, where people are showing their screen and they've got a video of what's on their screen." And in your class, you're going to talk about how to do that, also, correct? Yeah. So I think to the, I, I recommend taking both classes. One that kind of tells the background about strategy and tactics on content marketing, while I focus on the impact of video, that's basically the top trend right now. Video and podcasts are the top trend. And then the other uh, the other class would be specifically on, on cranking open Camtasia, plugging on your webcam, plugging your microphone, making the actual video. We'll make a quick video in the class, edit it, kind of show the whole process from soup to nuts, hopefully in those two hours, we'll have enough time to cover all those things. Well, well, Hector, I know that's going to be a packed class, and I am very, very excited that you're going to be with us. So folks going to your class and folks going to all the marketing classes at Scaling New Heights are going to get some very practical how-tos to come back and do this in their firm. Hector, thank you so much for being with us today. So, Patricia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. Very glad to be here. Okay, so we just heard Hector give us some awesome information about how to market intentionally, market specifically, and basically market to have the clients you want. But there are two components to having the client base you want. One is marketing for the right kind of client, and the second is retaining that client once you get that treasure, the right kind of client. So. You do a lot of work that's very complex with your clients, and you are out there on the edge um, with change management, with technological disruptions in the positive sense, till you can get the client to the goal. Um, you're, you're introducing tension. If anybody can retain a client, it's you, given the nature of your work, right? Um, how do you do it? How do you keep the clients like you do, Patricia? You've got some clients that you've been servicing for over a decade, and every time they call you, they know that they're signing up for another technological disruption and some change management. Um, how do you do it? What, what's the first step? 
Well, the most important thing um, when you're talking with your client is to have clear communications. The From the very beginning of the project, you have to be clear on what they are asking for. And sometimes they're asking for things that they don't even know they're asking for. So you're listening and you're, you're looking for those pain points and those technological difficulties that they might be encountering or they might be about to encounter given the changes that they're making in their growth. So if you discuss what their expectations are ahead of time and then add into that any ideas that you have for potential technology that they didn't even know about, um, then you're adding, you're giving them a value that they didn't know they were going to receive when they first started talking to you. And that surprise factor when you're speaking with your client and they're learning things that they didn't know they didn't know, that's what makes them want to always come back to you for the next step that they need to make. So Patricia, what you're saying is absolutely true. It's dead on. But I find when I'm in that conversation with clients and I'm showing them how I can alleviate their pain, whether it's technologically or if it's in terms of practice management or operations, um, what I'm telling them I can do and what they're inferring I can do is often disconnected. Um, how do you address that? That's very true, and that's a problem that I've run into before. You you have to not only speak what you're what you're going to deliver, you also need to write down what you're going to deliver or use any possible tool that you have to make it clear so that they know exactly what you're what you're bringing. Having them repeat it back to you is also very good. So I can set the stage and say I'm going to automate your accounts payable so you have all this uh, approval process built in and then circle back around to that and say, now, do you understand what the AP program is going to do for you? Tell me what you heard me say and have them repeat that back that and then putting that down into a written scope of work is extremely important. Yeah. The written scope of work, you're, you're, you're solid on that. You're absolutely right. And I love this echo back because then you get exactly what's in the client's mind. Um, on that, that work specification, um, how, I mean, is this my cost to eat or is the specification process something I can bill for? Uh, I'm going to answer that in two ways. Initially, when I meet with the client to get an overall understanding of what their needs are or what their request is, I don't bill for that initial meeting, but it's not going to take more than an hour at the most of my time. Uh, then I go into a discovery mode. Once they've decided to use me and I've decided to engage them, I go into a discovery mode, which is absolutely billable. And that's when I dive deep down into their needs and into their books and figure out exactly what the solution is that I'm going to provide. This could take hours and even days of work to prepare. And there's no reason that I'm going to do that type of work and that level of effort and not have it um, not have it, you know, be a revenue generating event. Um, plus it gives the customer a, a blueprint of what they need to have done, which if for whatever reason I'm not available for them, they can take that blueprint to someone else and have the same work done. So it is definitely an event of value that should be billed for at that point. And, and then it sets the specific goals for how we're going to work together and it gives you something to measure against. I, I know when you're talking about client retention, measurements are huge. 
um, and they're not just at the end of the project, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. Right. So it's real important not to wait till the end of the project because that could take months. It could take years. If you've got an ongoing client, there is no end if you're doing regular outsourced accounting. So you have to set up smaller victories along the way. And by this, I mean, take the entire project and break it into phases. Maybe the initial phase is a data cleanup. And then the secondary phase is implementing this new technology and reviewing their processes. And each milestone that you reach, you sit down and you go back over that. This is what our expectations were. This is what we have delivered. Now tell me, client, tell me what value this brings to your business. And they reiterate the value back to you. That means they really get it and they really understand it. So this echo back isn't just in the initial phase. You're saying keep having them echo back throughout the process as you hit these incremental goals. Um, I, you know, the underlying theme I'm hearing you say here is client alignment. Client alignment equals client retention, of course, as long as you're performing, right? You have these successes to align around. So Patricia, you have said, set the expectations. You have said, get the alignment through this echo back concept that I love incremental goals each with their own echo back from the client you hit the goal you've retained the client end of story right well no that's not really the end of the story joe because uh if you think about even in a project scenario where the project ends the ongoing component of that client is that they're going to a call you for their next need and their B, they're also going to refer you out to everyone they know because you really delivered for them. So don't think of the client as an ending point. Think of it as an ongoing client, even if the work has ended. And really the delivery here is not necessarily the, the software or the deployment or anything like that. The delivery is an emotional component. It's the clarity that the, that the client has about their books. It's their peace of mind. It's their ability to sleep at night. That's what you're really delivering, and that's why they're going to call you back, because you make them feel good. All right, so now you've just hit on something that Ron Baker talks about in Firm of the Future, that people ascribe value to only two things, solutions to their problems and the way you make them feel. And as accountants, we get the first one. As accounting technologists and small business technologists and pro advisors, we get the first one. We live for the first one. But you're saying you're retaining your clients because you don't stop there. You deliver the second one too. You make them feel something better about their practice and their lives. And there's substance to that, right? It's not a fluffy feeling, but you have engineered peace of mind. You've engineered infrastructure stability. You've engineered security. Um, and that causes you to retain clients in very, very tough engagements, right? It's not a cyclical engagement that we're talking about here with you. Very intense, very disruptive positively. And yet they keep coming back for another bite of the apple because at the end of the process and it sounds to me patricia like you're saying in the middle throughout the process as well you make them feel better about their business 
the middle of the process, Joe, is the hardest part because that's when all the stress is happening. That's when their whole world has been disrupted. They don't see the end game yet, but they know that they're on their way there. And that's the point that you really have to address the change management, the psychology behind bringing a group of people into a new world, whether it's a cloud world or just new technology on their desktop. So you have to be prepared for that and you have to prepare them that in the middle of this deployment is going to be the hardest part. So when we get there, we're going to circle back and we're going to have our plan of action in place and we're going to address it as it's happening. But even then you're making them feel something. You're making them feel safe in the midst of a storm. And, and, and so I'm agreeing with you. Um, and, and then when you get them to the goal, they feel something even more incredible. And maybe that's why they keep coming back, Patricia, and saying, disrupt me again, because they know as, as tough as it gets, when they get in the middle, they're going to feel okay because it's you. And this gets back to another element that Ron Baker talks about, where he says we must move from service worker, the lowest level of value, to knowledge worker, next level of value, to everything I believe you've been talking about, relationship worker, and it's only at the relationship worker level that we're gonna retain clients in a highly competitive environment, that we're gonna retain clients without competing on price, and that we're gonna retain clients no matter how difficult or dark their situation becomes. As a matter of fact, we might even retain them better as we help guide them through some difficult times because we are relationship workers. And Patricia, I've known you for over a decade and I can tell you that's how you embrace your clients. These are these are deep, meaningful, professional relationships. And um, from the stage of Scaling New Heights uh, 2015, I challenged everybody with the craziest challenge in the world, love your clients. And, and I, I have the advantage since you're right here in Atlanta of seeing you live that out. And I think it's an amazing thing. Patricia, I'm so excited about the class you're teaching. If anybody can tell someone how to retain a client, it's you, you, you live it. And uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast and our conversations with Hector Garcia and Patricia Hendricks. For more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights.